The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Autism One, a conversation of hope, brought to you by Enzymedica with host Terry Aranga. All comments, views, and opinions expressed are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. In the next hour, Terry and her guest illuminate how right now there is more reason than ever for individuals with autism spectrum disorders and their families to have the best hope for the brightest future. Through education and conversation, there is hope. Here's your host, Terry Aranga. Hello, and welcome to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel and this program, Autism One, A Conversation of Hope, for Tuesday, August 4th. I'm Terry Arango with my guest, Sally Brockett. Sally is the director of the IDEA Training Center in North Haven, Connecticut, and a certified international Berard AIT instructor and practitioner. Our topic today is Berard Auditory Integration Training. Sally, thank you for joining us. You're welcome. I'm a pleasure to be here. Well, Sally, I start off many of my shows asking um, our guests what they think autism is. Uh, I do believe autism is a, ni- a neurobiological disorder that creates a multitude of difficulties in health and behavior and learning experiences of the individual. One of the areas that seems to often be significantly affected is the auditory system, which includes the Center for Sensory Processing. When the auditory and sensory processing system is disrupted, and can't function efficiently, there's a pervasive ripple effect that can flow into many aspects of the individual's life. But with appropriate biomedical and sensory interventions, the health and the processing systems can be rebalanced, and an intensive educational program can lead to remarkable recovery for many. Very good. I appreciate how um, you've expressed uh, a holistic approach, the body as a whole. Well, You've been practicing in this area for over 15 years. Have you seen a change in your patient base over the years? There has been a change. Um, when I first started in 1992, um, I did have a lot of um, individuals with autism because that was the uh, the original um, report or um, you know where where Berard AIT was introduced. So the, the studies done in Oregon were focused on that population. Um, however, now we do see children with attention deficit and other special needs. We're not as interested in the actual label as, as really what their behavioral challenges are, um, but we do see, you know, other other populations and um, adults as well as as uh, children. Good point uh, about the label that you're actually looking for what the the needs of the individual are rather than uh, just looking at their label. Exactly. Well, what is Berard Auditory Integration Training, or AIT? Well, it's an intervention that was developed by Dr. Berard. He was a French physician, and he developed this to reorganize or balance the functions of the auditory system. So when people, either children or adults, have uh, auditory hypersensitivity or distortions, delays in the signals that interfere with their ability to process auditory information normally, it can disrupt their communication skills and their learning skills. Uh, inconsistencies 
and distortions in the way sounds are perceived can make it difficult to interpret the auditory information or message. In addition, Dr. Burrard says that the ears must work together in a coordinated fashion. If the hearing in one ear is different from the other, then they may have auditory processing problems. And this lack of coordination contributes to difficulties in following directions, understanding what is said or what they read, putting thoughts into words. Um, some people hear certain frequencies much better than other frequencies. And when this occurs, the person perceives some sounds in a distorted manner, and they may be easily distracted. They may have difficulty understanding the information. And it also causes irritability. Dr. Burrard believes these auditory problems contribute to disorders such as learning disabilities, attention deficit, dyslexia, hyperactivity, um, sensory processing problems. And um, yeah, my son was said to have a uh, auditory sensitivity, hypersensitivity, and uh, uh, be sensitive to, I think, low frequencies or what I would call white noise, and he would stick his fingers in his ears. Are these things all related? Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. Um, there are individuals that are more sensitive to the, the base or the low frequencies, while others are more sensitive to the higher frequencies. But either either case can be troublesome for the individual and cause them to be hypervigilant about sounds because they never know when the next sound is going to come that would be disturbing to them. Right. It seems like it's painful. It can be painful. Um, it's not always painful. I think that depends on the, the decibel level of the sound. If it's on the, the frequency that they're um, more sensitive to and it's louder, then because they have a, a keener hearing for that, that pitch or frequency, it's more disturbing to them. Other times it may not be painful, but it's just irritating or distracting and uh, disruptive to how they hear. I would imagine that a good solution would not be to simply try to uh, keep putting the child's hands down away from their ears or, you know, trying to uh, get rid of that uh, behavior with some sort of behavioral plan. I, I completely agree with you on that. Um, the behavior is simply a reaction, a defensive reaction. It's a reflex that all of us would do uh, if we were in that situation. If somebody is, uh, if you hear a gunshot or if somebody has a balloon and they're going to pop it with a pin, you're going to tense and be ready to, to protect your ears because you know that loud sound is coming. So the behavior is simply a protective reflex um, because sound truly is that offensive to them. And uh, just making them not cover their ears, trying to train them not to do that behavior, is um, it's really not that productive and can cause them more anxiety because they're not able to protect themselves. Exactly. So I think addressing the root causes um, is more appropriate and uh, compassionate. How does the auditory system relate within the other sensory systems? The, um, the sensory processing center of the vestibular system is in the inner ear. So this system regulates all types of sensory processing, not just the sense of hearing. So it, it involves uh, vision and uh, taste and touch and smell and you know, hearing and proprioceptive input. So when we stimulate the auditory system with AIT, we are impacting on the sensory system and we usually see changes in various aspects of sensory processing and modulation. Oh, okay. Uh, now, I believe Dr. 
Berard said how we hear our world affect how we affect how we behave within that world. Is that correct? That's correct. Yeah, that was a, a very um, popular, strong statement that he he wrote in his book. And in fact, his book is titled "Hearing Equals Behavior." Um, if our hearing and processing of sound is disturbed in any way, it affects how we feel and react to our world. So, if we're hypersensitive to sound, it causes us to be hypervigilant or on guard ready to protect against the onslaught of irritating sounds. If we cannot process language um, easily and accurately, then we have difficulty understanding what others say and expressing our own thoughts as well. So this can create insecurity and a lack of self-confidence, and you see that you know, with behaviors. Some children may try to cover up this problem, and they might act as a class clown. Others might try to withdraw and uh, be more isolated. The problems with listening also affect attention and memory. When we can't pay close attention for the proper length of time, we can't get all the information, and obviously we can't remember it well. Right. Very good point. I've always said that the better part of memory is listening in the first place. Exactly. <laughs> I wasn't really referring to, to children who were experiencing challenges. I was referring to adults who weren't listening in the first place. But mm -hmm. ties in with what you were saying. And how does the ear control the voice? Well, the ear is basically the feedback mechanism for the voice. It provides information so we can modulate our voice and speech. And it's said that we can only produce the frequencies that we can hear. So our speech contains the frequencies that we can hear. And obviously, we speak in a manner similar to what we hear. Uh, we know there's various accents in different parts of our country, and people develop the accents according to where they live because that's what they're hearing as they develop language. When the hearing or ear system is not working effectively, then their speech may be distorted. I think in many cases, the verbalizations made by young children on the spectrum really represent how they're hearing our language. Mm -hmm. It may be garbled. There may be no space between the words. They're, they're running words together because that's really how they hear our speech. And so, in fact, they're imitating, but the model they hear is incorrect due to the problems within their system. Right. Now, I've heard that uh, itty-bitty babies um, can pick up foreign languages more easily if they're exposed to them when they're itty-bitty babies. Right. Um, so how do, what are the chances of remediating uh, speech for someone who's been listening to it garbled for so long before they've had AIT? Uh, well, I think it's that's a challenge um, because the pathways have developed um, with incorrectly. They're, they're poor quality. Um, if a ch child is hearing with a lot of fluid in their inner uh, middle ear, then they're hearing in a garbled, uh, distorted manner so that the neural pathways um, aren't given clear uh, speech sounds to develop and, and learn. So I think that they have more difficulty. And it's hard to try to change that. Um, and that's one of the nice things with the Berard AIT program is that, that that apparently does change. Well, we know it's possible um, here, at least. Because right. My stepson, uh, my, my husband refers to how my stepson uh, used to communicate as uh, like a yodeling language, doidle, 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 doidle. And now he, and he had uh, Berard AIT, and now he speaks quite beautifully. Uh, so it was quite helpful. So we know that it's possible. Well, how is AIT provided, Sally? Please walk us through a session, and we may need to go to break in the middle of our walk. All right. Um, 
the um, the individual listens to music through headphones that is uh, specially modified by the educator or the audio kinetron. Those are the two Burrard devices that are designed for uh, AIT. These devices modulate the music, and they may be used to filter out specific frequencies. We do the training in 30-minute sessions twice a day for a total of 10 hours. And audio tests are provided prior to the training and after the first five hours of training, and they may indicate whether any specific filters might be used. Unlike many intervention programs that are given once or twice a week, we use an intense period in order to stimulate the system with frequency and intensity so we can activate neuroplasticity to reorganize the pathways that we were discussing you know, may be ineffective. You mentioned the educator and the uh, audio kinetron. Right. I, I kind of picture a Dr. Seuss book and <laughs> Whoville or something. Um, what are these machines like? Um, they're just, uh, the educator is small. The audio kinetron is um, about three times bigger. But um, we have to get a break, and we'll right. pick up with this when we come back from break. Thanks, Sally. Thank you to our sponsor, Enzymedica. To our listeners, we'll be right back. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. More and more parents of children affected by autism are discovering enzyme therapy as an important part of their treatment program. Digestive enzymes help to break down the foods which may enhance nutrient absorption. Used therapeutically, enzymes can also support the immune system to break down pathogens such as viruses, fungal forms, and bacteria. Enzyme Medica formulates the highest quality of enzyme supplements to address a wide variety of issues. Lacto, a broad-spectrum digestive enzyme focusing on the complete digestion of milk proteins. Gluten Ease, high in DPP-4 activity, known for its ability to help break down gluten. And Virus Stop, an enzyme formulated to assist in the body eliminating pathogens. Enzyme Medica provides the purest enzyme products, free of fillers, anything artificial, and of all common allergens. We are dedicated to education and helping you find the best products for your children. Learn more today at www.enzymemedica.com. Inside all of us lives a warrior. We win battles with our careers, our finances, our children, our pets. It's time that the warrior within wins the battles with our own being. Modern-day Renaissance man Ori Hoffmeckler dispels eating urban legends and fitness myths in Voice America Network's The Warrior Within, your guide to nutrition, energy, sex, and survival. Ori sets the record straight and will help you become leaner and healthier for a lifetime. The Warrior Within broadcasts live every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific on The Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Tune in for your guide to nutrition, energy, sex, and survival. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga. If you have a question or comment, call us toll-free at 866-472-5792. Now back to the program. Here's Terry. We're back with Sally Brockett, Director of the Idea Training Center in North Haven, Connecticut, talking about broad auditory integration training. And before the break, Sally, you were letting us know about the equipment that's used for AIT, the educator, and the autokinetron. Yes. Um, 
you had asked about uh, the, how, what, what they're like, and uh, they're just uh, boxes that are, um, have electronic uh, mechanism, in it, and the music is um, played into the device so that it can modulate or um, shift the, um, the frequencies. There's two types of, um, of shifting or uh, frequency modulation that occurs. One is uh, wideband um, frequency modulation. So the individual is hearing music, and the bass may be suppressed briefly, and they hear just the treble. And then the treble is suppressed, and they hear just the bass. Normally, when you hear music, it's um, mixed, so that you hear the bass and the treble mixed together. Uh, the device very quickly but randomly suppresses and, and accentuates the, the two ends of the spectrum. So they're getting bass and then treble and treble and bass. Um, this provides a novel stimulation to the brain, which is necessary in order to uh, trigger neural plasticity, which I think is an important, you know, playing an important role in the reorganization that we see happen. Does the practitioner vary the way the output of the machines during a session? There are several things the practitioner is trained to do. Um, depending on the, the individual case, um, we may have an audio test or a listening test that shows um, the pattern of the individuals listening across the frequencies. So in some cases, we may use narrow band filters, which would be a specific um, frequency that would be cut out of the music. So let's say, for example, um, 3,000. We might filter that frequency based on what we see in the audio test. So that's a narrow band filtering in addition to the wide band modulation that's occurring all the time. So the practitioner you know, regulates that aspect of it and then also regulates the, uh, the balance of the volume and the, and the volume setting. And how much does the uh, serenity and cooperation of the child impact the outcome? Some of the children may not like this. They may not want to wear the headphones. How do you get them to do that? What if they fall asleep? What if they have to be entertained with toys the whole time? Well, the, um, uh, I, I think that learning occurs best, you know, if the child is relaxed and not stressed. They need to be um, you know, I try to have my clients be as, as calm and comfortable and relaxed as possible. And um, it's truly amazing how, how easy that is, actually, um, especially when you're working with children on the spectrum or with special needs who typically come to you as very hyperactive, intense, irritable, nervous children. Um, but I think that a couple things happen. When, when they begin listening and the training is occurring, I think quickly... They, they sense, they know, or they feel that um, this is going to, to benefit them. So they relax and uh, begin listening, and I think it's kind of a, a cyclic effect that they, you know, they um, begin to, to get benefit from it, so then they want to do it. Um, now, there are some children who are defensive about the headphones, and you need to practice ahead of time wearing headphones and uh, working with them so that they can begin to uh, accept headphones because we can't do it without the headphones. Okay. And how is the assessment uh, for this done? How do you know which children may or may not benefit? How does this uh, differ from the routine audiological testing that you may get through your school system? 
Well, the, the school system is, is basically interested in, in determining whether or not the child, um, you know, has sufficient hearing to learn. So they do just a, a standard screening um, of the, the child's listening. We look more um, with more intensity at, at how they listen across all the frequencies. And so the Burrard audio test determines what um, the threshold of their hearing is for each frequency. And that can be done if the child is able to cooperate with that type of a test. Many children on the spectrum, many young children, don't have the attention and the spontaneous communication. They don't have to be verbal, but they have to spontaneously indicate that they've heard a tone. So they could do that by putting a chip in a, in a bucket or raising their hand or touching their ear, um, but it has to be a spontaneous, uh, reliable response. So a lot of children aren't able to do that assessment, and, but they still can have the AIT and show benefit from it. Can you do this at home? There's not a Burrard AIT program for home at this time. Um, the, the stimulation needs to come directly from the Burrard equipment, and um, it is prefer much preferable to have the practitioner available to uh, either make adjustments you know, through the, the training period and to see the child and communicate with the parent daily so that you know, they can monitor the progress and uh, provide feedback and, and assistance to the family. Are there any exercises that you need to do at home as an adjunct to this? Um, I think it's helpful to prepare a little bit at home, and it depends on the individual case, but to prepare the child for wearing headphones. Now, one change I have seen um, in the, the recent years compared to the early 90s is that a lot of children come into AIT already being familiar with headphones uh, for obvious reasons. They're very popular now with all of the, the devices, the iPods and, and uh, you know, technology that we have today. So many children accept headphones uh, more readily than they used to. Um, however, we do recommend that after AIT they not continue to wear headphones because that's not a natural way for the ear to take in sound and be stimulated by sound. Oh. And we find that it can interfere and, and reverse or um, decrease the benefits of the AIT. Ah, okay. So how, when should parents be noticing benefits and how long does the process of growth continue? The benefit can um, start soon. It's sometimes quite amazing. Uh, I've had parents come in on the second day and ask, you know, is it possible that I could see a change already? And I usually ask what they see and they describe and... Um, you know, it's often something that we have seen happen. Um, it could be that the child has already started following directions more quickly and spontaneously and they don't have to repeat directions as frequently. Or um, they may uh, have said some new words or, you know, clearer speech. Um, you know, so some changes can start happening quickly. Um, usually during the 10 days, parents do report, you know, some positive changes where they see some benefits. But they also report where there's some challenging behaviors also. Um, and that is common with uh, many interventions um, that are provided where you see uh, changes in the, in the child's behavior that's more reactive to the, the training program or the, the intervention that you're doing. And I think that occurs because individuals on the spectrum particularly don't like change. They don't like transitions. And if the AIT is working, it's clearly making a change and their world sounds 
different. It may look different. Um, it may feel different, smell different, taste different, because all sensory um, processing may be impacted by the AIT. Okay. Let's talk about some practical uh, things that you may see and why. So what's the possible relationship uh, between AIT and activities of daily living, such as toothbrushing, bathing, and hair washing? It could be hard to imagine on the surface how these things could possibly be related. Right. The, um, the activities of daily living um, really involve a lot of sensory experience. So when they're brushing their teeth, they have um, they have the sense of smell activated by the, to the toothpaste, um, the sense of hearing because you hear the, the brush in the mouth, um, and it's even accentuated because it's so close to the ear, and um, the taste of the, the um, toothpaste. So all of these things involve a lot of different senses, and um, there's you know sounds associated with it too. So um, as the AIT uh, works and improves in sensory modulation, we see a decrease in the reactions uh, against these activities. Okay. And I think you were alluding to things like problem solving and logical reasoning earlier. Mm -hmm. Logical reasoning and problem solving are generally language-based and involve the ability to hold thoughts in your mind and to work through sequences of ideas though there are probably some on the spectrum who use visual functions for this activity because they're, they're more visual thinkers. But as the auditory memory and sequencing improve and processing of language improves, then it becomes easier to manage the higher order skills of reasoning and problem solving. I recall one practitioner sharing with me that um, test results for executive functioning, which were done pre and post Brevard AIT, documented improvement in this area. And I also think that as in the individual becomes more aware and tuned into their world and the interactions around them, they can learn better from these experiences and apply that learning to new situations, whereas in the past they couldn't do that. Very good. What about correct usage, uh, verbalization, AIT facilitating verbalization, correct usage like pronouns and verb tenses? Right. Uh, when the auditory system is balanced and processing more effectively, then the person can listen more accurately and they can begin to learn language more quickly. And their improvement in memory and sequencing makes it easier for them to recall what was said and how it was said so they can, can just you know, facilitate the learning and, and acquire these skills that were being blocked before because they didn't have the, uh, the memory and, and the auditory system wasn't functioning effectively. Right. And then this sounds as if it addresses a lot of school needs, practical school needs, like being able to pay attention. Yes. Um, and obviously we hear a lot of teachers that are, have concern about the uh, poor attention spans and uh, inattentive children. Uh, we know that most individuals have improvement in attention following AIT, but I think that this is most likely due to the improvements in the sensory system. In other words, I think the attention change and, and uh, progress is secondary to the sensory. When the sensory system is not operating at an optimal level, it's very difficult to focus and attend to things like a teacher presenting a lesson. And the first priority is to try to keep your sensory needs well regulated. And this is difficult for those on the spectrum. 
However, I have completed a study on the effect of Burrard AIT on sensory modulation and behavior that's now under peer review for a journal. And the data is highly statistically significant and strongly supports the anecdotal reports about these improvements that we've been getting from parents and therapists for many years. So we can look at a very typical example. If the individual has auditory hypersensitivity and inability to filter the background noises, it makes it difficult for them to pay attention because they hear everything that's happening around them and even things that might not be close to them. So they may clearly hear the conversation in the hall between two teachers and the water and the pipes and all of the classroom noises. All right, more on Sally's study when we come back. Thank you to our sponsor, Enzymedica. Join us in a minute. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. More and more parents of children affected by autism are discovering enzyme therapy as an important part of their treatment program. Digestive enzymes help to break down the foods which may enhance nutrient absorption. Used therapeutically, enzymes can also support the immune system to break down pathogens such as viruses, fungal forms, and bacteria. Enzyme Medica formulates the highest quality of enzyme supplements to address a wide variety of issues. Lacto, a broad-spectrum digestive enzyme focusing on the complete digestion of milk proteins. Gluten Ease, high in DPP-4 activity, known for its ability to help break down gluten. And Virus Stop, an enzyme formulated to assist in the body eliminating pathogens. Enzyme Medica provides the purest enzyme products, free of fillers, anything artificial, and of all common allergens. We are dedicated to education and helping you find the best products for your children. Learn more today at www.enzymemedica.com. Tune in on Thursdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time for Healing the Grieving Heart, the program that takes you on a journey through grief after the death of a child. Join Dr. Gloria Horsley, marriage and family therapist and bereaved parent, while she interviews and discusses with other bereaved parents and siblings how they have coped with the death of a child and gone on to create and realize new dreams. So tune in Thursdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time for Healing the Grieving Heart with Dr. Gloria Horsley, right here on Voice America Health and Wellness. Holistic living is nutrition for not just your body, but your mind and your soul. Holistic nutrition goes far beyond the foods that we eat or the supplements that we take. Discover natural means to heal your body and regain your innate healing powers. That's Holistic Living with Tina Marie Jones on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel, live every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. Tune in for your weekly dose of good holistic living. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga. If you have a question or comment, call us toll free at 866-472-5792. Now back to the program. Here's Terry. We're back with Sally Brockett, Director of the IDEA Training Center in North Haven, Connecticut, talking about auditory integration training. And Sally, you were talking, telling us about your research study. Yes. Um, so we were talking about the, the, uh, the sensory um, difficulties that the children have and how in a school, the example of, of a child being in school and hearing the conversation in the hall between two teachers or the noise of water in the heating pipes or the penful sharpener, 
And these can gradually become overwhelming and irritating, so their work suffers and the behavior may de deteriorate. But if the hearing and the listening problems are resolved or improved, then the ripple effect carries over to the classroom and they can then pay better attention and you see an improvement in the attention. So I think that the attention does improve, um, but I think the, the primary improvement first happens in the sensory system. Uh-huh. So this sounds like a, a better path to follow than just, uh, you know, I see all those commercials about slapping on some pills for adult ADD, you know, ADHD. They give these pills to kids too, but it sounds like this is a better solution than just throwing a pill at it. Well, I agree. I think um, my philosophy in um, working with families has been to try to solve the, the root cause of problems. And uh, often there's um, interventions such as Brevard AIT. I think the uh, nutrition is, is extremely important, uh, looking at diet and, you know, what might be missing in, in the child's uh, diet and um, or what might be in their system, other toxins or, you know, pollutants that might be in their system that could be interfering too. Definitely. And and I think this is safer. Uh, yes. I, I heard a very sad story recently about a boy uh, who's in the hospital with a coma. Um, he has autism and no biomedical intervention was used, um, just the, uh, the, the pills, hmm. just the pills. Wow. And his, his uh, kidneys... We're shutting down. Wow. He's uh, been in a coma for a couple of weeks. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So ad addressing the root causes uh, appropriately and, and as naturally as possible instead of slapping some psychotropics on it uh, as a risky Band-Aid. Right. I think is a, a much better solution. Um, well... <laughs> Sally, who, how can you tell, uh, again, if, if an individual is going to, uh, wait, I want to go back. You were talking about your research study, but there was also a research study some years ago. You mentioned Oregon, um, and that was the Autism Research Institute, Drs. Bernard Rimlins and Dr. Stephen Edelson. Is that what you were talking about? Um, yes, they did a major study uh, years ago, uh, back in the early 90s, when Rewired AIT was first introduced, and it was a result of that study and uh, the fact that they did show positive results uh, that Rewired AIT kind of became, took off in this country and became popular and, and in demand. Um, there is, um, I'm very excited to, to share that Dr. Jeffrey Lewine, a neuroscience researcher at the Alexian Brothers Center for Brain Research, is starting a comprehensive study on auditory problems associated with autism and intervention for these problems. Really? Yeah. This that's, is that's great. New news, and uh, it's very exciting because it's, it's well understood that the auditory problems create um, a lot of issues for children with autism, but it's an area that really has not been a focus of the research. So he is going to... Um, be doing evaluations with magnetoencephalography and EEG, audiological measures, cognitive and language measures, and sensory evaluations. And he'll do this pre and post the intervention. And he is looking at um, Barard AIT as one of the interventions um, that will be used in the study. 
um, I've trained Dr. Lewine and his research assistant um, so that they now are Brevard AIT practitioners and will be able to provide um, the Brevard AIT to the subjects in the study. Um, if there are parents who are in the Chicago area interested in participating in this research, um, they can contact Dr. Lewine and, because they are recruiting uh, for this study. It's going to take at least two years. It's a major study. And, um, so we're real excited that this will be done. And I think it will give us some really good uh, scientific um, information about the impact of Barard AIT, perhaps explain more. We have a lot of theories about how it works. Um, but he does um, believe the neuroplasticity um, is being stimulated and uh, creating change and his research um, will you know, be used to, to look at that effect. Um, if parents want to contact him, the phone number uh, in the Chicago area is 847-981-3688. Am I allowed to give his email address? Um, I have it up on my screen. Yeah, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> um, All right. Well, this is really exciting to me. I didn't know about this before, and it's really exciting uh, to me to learn this. Uh, Dr. Lewine presented at Autism One, and he was part of the seizures think tank. Right. And I'm just so excited to hear that he's involved in this. Yes, I'm. He's internationally known for his work, and um, I, I really enjoyed spending the time out there uh, at his center you know, training him and the research assistant uh, in the Burrard method. And it's uh, it's just a wonderful opportunity so that we can learn more, um, you know, about the effect of Burrard AIT. Absolutely. I've, always, I've also been curious, um, you know, he, he spoke on seizures, and now sometimes it seems to me that my son has photosensitive seizures. Like if you're going under through dappled sunlight, oh, uh -huh. in and out of trees as you're driving along in the car, so that would uh, signal some sort of a relationship between a sensory system and and the brain and seizures. Mm -hmm. Yes. Does that make any sense to you? It does, and I guess what what comes to my mind just on uh, the, the, my immediate thought was um, because of the sunlight and uh, that visual effect uh -huh. would be whether or not uh, something such as Erlen syndrome might be involved in that. And in fact, Dr. Lewine did study Erlen syndrome, and um, there's a very good website called Erlen.com um, that would give more information. You might want to take a look at that. Okay. Thank you for providing that. Sure. Well, back to the question I started to ask, who may um, benefit from the program? As I mentioned earlier, my stepson benefited from AIT in areas like ability to handle noise, socialization, and verbal skills, but my son didn't show any difference from the treatment. A neurooptometrist suggested that my son wasn't ready for the AIT, you know, in the order in which he took it. Is there any way to know if a child is more likely to benefit, is there any particular order to do it in in relation to other therapies? Like maybe other things need to be remediated first or they have problems with reflexes or... Right. Um, well, there may have been something that interfered with your son's ability to benefit from the Burrard at that time. It might have been uh, something biological, but it's very difficult to know for sure. Uh, many individuals have success with AIT even before by 
biomedical interventions have been done. Mm-hmm. In fact, a study done by Dr. Remlin and Edelson in the early 90s was prior to the biomedical movement, and the majority of those individuals did show benefit from the AIT. Mm-hmm. But I also believe that the AIT maintains better when the body is detox and metabolism is balanced. Um, I think that the Berard AIT should be one of the early interventions um, for several reasons. It can be done as soon as a child is three years old, and it may significantly impact on the child's comfort by reducing the sound sensitivity, and uh, behaviors may improve, as we discussed, and, mm-hmm. of course, the language development may be facilitated. And then it can be done again uh, in the future, and many show progressive improvement with additional AIT. But there's not a um, it's not a pretest that will assure that this child will definitely respond. But characteristics um, we look for can be indicators that the person would be a good candidate for AIT. We just don't have a a profile to say that would say he would definitely you know be a responder. Uh huh. Okay. And how does one become a practitioner? Um, Qualified professionals are trained as Brevard practitioners. Um, we look for people who have professional training and education in the field of developmental disabilities because that's, you know, basically the um, the population that would be being served by Brevard AIT. Um, so it may be an occupational therapist or physical therapist, speech and language, um, could be an audiologist, a special educator, um, psychologists, social workers that work with the population. There's a, a, a wide range of um, fields that would be, you know, considered. I have trained MDs. I've trained Dan, Dan doctors. Um, I've trained behavioral optometrists. So, you know, there's a wide wide range, um, but they do need to be familiar with the, the population and able to work well with them. And they, they participate in a training seminar that um, takes uh, three and a half days and uh, teaches them how to provide Brevard AIT, um, you know, all of the, the details and things that they need to know. And they participate, once they complete the seminar, in an intern period so that it assures that they can actually apply it well. Uh, the intern period means that the instructor is kind of overseeing or monitoring the cases. They do case histories. Uh, they can keep each case confidential. We don't need to know the name of the, the individual, so confidentiality is observed. Um, but they can just assign a, an ID number, and um, we monitor the, the cases. They go through the 10 days to assure that everything is being done as best as we can, can monitor. And then how can parents find one of these qualified practitioners? Well, parents can go to um, the website. Our official Berard AIT website is um, www.berardaitwebsite.com. And we maintain a list, uh, an international list, because Berard AIT is available worldwide now. And uh, there is a list of practitioners that have attested to adhering to the Berard protocol. And so they can look on that list. And there's a small number of practitioners who will be willing to travel um, if the parent is in an area where there isn't, a, you know, a practitioner available. Sometimes they will travel and, and provide AIT for, you know, a group of parents in a in a town that might not have one. And um, so they can get get names from that list. Right, right. Um, our practitioner traveled to to where my son and I lived. 
Yes, as well. So that was very helpful. Well, are there any other websites or books where parents can look for more information, including the IDEA website? Right. The um, the IDEA website, um, that's my, my personal website, and that one is helpful uh, for particular reasons. Uh, there's a lot of information and articles, but I do also um, have pre- and post-test results on my website. And um, a lot of times uh, parents will want to know, you know, what kind of results might they expect and, and is there anything that's documented. And I, I tend to really like to document my work and, and the progress of my clients. So uh, right from the, the day one when I started my practice, I was monitoring progress. And I have posted a lot of that on my website uh, that will show different types of tests that we've used and the um, before and after uh, results. So I think that's helpful. Um, there's also a lot of information on the, um, the official Berard website, which is berardaitwebsite.com. If they look at the SAIT, S-A-I-T pages, that's the Society for Auditory Intervention Techniques. There's a lot of articles on that. In addition, there's books. Um, two very good books are uh, Dancing in the Rain and The Sound of Falling Snow. These are both edited by Annabelle Staley. And uh, I hear some music now. So. <laughs> All right. I think we're going to need to close um, for... Any additional questions, uh, listeners can email me at tiaranga at autism1.org. Sally, thank you for sharing this practical information. Well, you're welcome. I enjoyed it. If any of our listeners are tuning in from Canada or the northeastern United States, we're having a conference in Canada October 31st and November 1st in Toronto. Please visit the new Autism One website at www.autism1.org. Again, Sally's website address is www.ideatrainingcenter.com, I-D-E-A-T-R-A-I-N-I-N-G-C-E-N-T-E-R.com, ideatrainingcenter.com. Thank you to our program sponsor, Enzymedica, and thank you to our listeners for tuning in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel.
Friends of Medica would like to thank you for listening to Autism One, a conversation of hope. To contact Terry or get more information, visit AutismOne.org. Tune in next Tuesday for another hour of education and conversation on Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.